This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think Kevin and Jan are on vacation. Is, are Kevin and Jan in the house? I think they're on vacation. Is Kevin and Jan here? Yeah, I thought they were on vacation. Um, it, 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 it blows my mind to walk in. I think it's on a Thursday night. And Jan has that coffee shop with women in there being discipled. It's amazing to me uh, uh, seeing that. It's one-on-one. So ladies, men, if you want to go to the next level with God, and the reason I'm taking time with this is because it's a little bit of what I'm preaching about today. If you're ready to take those next steps, there are things in place to get you equipped. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to John chapter 2. I'm going to be hitting a New Testament story today. Um, So when you get to John chapter 2, say amen. John chapter 2, I want to read the whole scripture because the word is anointed. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee, verse 1. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to this celebration. The wine supply ran out during these festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no wine. They need more wine. They have no more wine. Jesus said, dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants... Do whatever he tells you to do. Standing nearby, there were six stone water jars jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out. And look at this. Everybody say, and take it. And take it to the master of the ceremony. So the servants followed his instruction. When the master of the ceremonies tasted, they tasted, everybody say tasted, the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the, be- the, the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best for now, in Jesus' name, amen. There is a God-given potential and possibility inside of every one of us here today. There is something of God inside of us. The Bible says the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. But look what Jesus said, and I want you to think about this. That's not our problem, was one of his replies. And the other one of his replies was this, it's not my time. That really hit me this morning. Number one, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. And number two, Jesus said, that's not my problem. And number two, he said, my time hasn't come. But his mother looked at the servants. It's like she didn't hear what he just said. And she looked at the servants 
Actually, they got the look. Jesus got the look. Anybody ever got the look where the eyebrows are raised and, and, and they're like, mm-hmm. How many of you children have gotten the look today from mom sometimes? You know it without her saying a word, don't you? How many of you husbands know it without the wife saying a word? Come on. You, you got the look. All right. Well, Jesus, mother, Jesus got the look, I believe. She looked at him and he was like, say What? And then she looked at the servants and said, ah, she looked at Jesus like, "Uh uh-huh, beg your pardon. And then she looked at the servants and she said, do whatever he tells you to do. So uh, I don't think there was going to be a no for that answer. Now, why would Jesus, now why would this story, why would this story and why would my, why would Mary go to Jesus? Why didn't Mary go to some of the others? And the reason is because Mary knew who he was and what he could do and where he was from. Brothers and sisters, today, God knows who you are, where you are from. He knows your address, and he knows what he's called you to do. Anybody say out there say amen? I believe that Jesus, maybe when he was getting a bath, Mary had to say, now Jesus, get under the water. She knew what he could do. She knew. I I believe maybe uh, Mary was one time saying, hey, uh, I'm getting ready to make some bread. We're out of flour. Hey, Jesus, would you run down to the store and and pick up some flour so that we could have bread? Jesus is all busy and stuff, and he's like, ah, man, I'm I'm busy. He's thinking that. And, And then all of a sudden he says, hey, mom, it's in the top shelf on the right in the corner. And then, boom, it was there, and she had obviously looked there. Uh, maybe his friends and maybe his siblings were like this. Why does Jesus catch all the fish? But Mary knew that there was something specific about Jesus. She knew where he came from. She knew what he could do. Hey, you don't know that Jesus didn't do. I, I made up those stories hypothetically, but you don't know that things like that didn't happen. I, I think Jesus is fun-loving. I really do. I think Jesus had a ball and was happy. I, I think he would, would, would clown around with the disciples and, 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 and make life fun. I believe that, 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 that he enjoyed life. How do you know he didn't do some things when he was a kid? How, how do you know? Uh, uh, let's don't get too stiff here today. How do you know Jesus didn't have a little fun with, with growing up and childhood and some of that stuff? But Mary knew who he was. She knew this. Have you ever said this? Have you ever said this? And I'll be honest with you. Well, I'm not going to say that because maybe you haven't thought thought of that. But have you ever said or thought this? My time hasn't come yet. It's not my time. No, not me. I can do that. In fact, last week I, I told somebody something that I felt like the Lord told me to tell them in a way that I had been praying for them. And most people, because of humility, when you say, I see this in you, and I see this God-given potential, and this is what I see you doing, most humble people will go like this, really? Me? That's why we're supposed to affirm gifts in each other. That's why we're supposed to go up to people and say, I see this in you. I see this attribute. I see this strength. I see this ability. I see this gifting of God. Because most people will be like, who, me? Oh, not me. Oh, not yet. My time isn't yet. You want me to do what? 
Have you ever said that? Have you ever said this? That's not my problem. Have you ever said that? Has there been things going on at work? Has there been things going on in your neighborhood? Has there been things going on in your family? Has there ever been times that you just was like, not my problem? But in this story, we see that it did become Jesus' problem. It did become Jesus' time. It did become something that he was to do. And I believe that, that this story, that God's saying that it is your season. It is your time. There is something that you're supposed to do. And it is, it is he does want us to get involved in other people's problems. God has it to do for you to do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 in the NIV says this, for we are God's handiwork created. We were created in Christ. Everybody say this, to do good works, to do good works, which God prepared for in advance for us to do. We are God's creation to do good works in this world. We are God's creation to be his hands and feet. We are God's creation to be his instruments of blessings to the nations. We can't be saying, it's not my problem. It's not my time. What do I have to do with any of that? We need to step up to the plate and be God's people in this world. Somebody say amen. Amen. Amen, I believe that. I, I believe that I'm saved, and someone, the reason I'm saved today, today is because somebody had a to-do to do. What if that person that, that, that was there for me at the, t- at the time of my need and the time uh, of my salvation, what if they wouldn't have been there? But thank God somebody was there to do that good work for me at that time that I needed something. Are you all with me today? How do you know that God doesn't have a good work for you to do that needs to be done? And and, and we got to be available. We have to be available for that time. Listen, I'm hearing God saying this. What are you hearing God say? I'm hearing God say this. Now is the time. I want you to write that down. Now is the time. I believe some of you have been through seasons. I believe some of you have been through a a very difficult time of purging, a very difficult time of stretching and testing and trial. I believe the church, that God has been doing something in you in the last few years that he's getting ready to use you. He wants to do something through you. But a lot of times before God can do something with you or through you, he has to do something in you first. But here's what I'm saying. I'm hearing God say that now is the time. Now is the season. Now it's time to turn the page and go into the next place. It's time to turn the page that, that, that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. I, I believe that with all my heart. I believe some of you are, are, are staying on the chapter that God wants you to turn the page and move on to what he's got for you. I believe that with all my heart. I'm hearing God say, now is the time. Now is the time. I'm hearing that. I heard, so now is the time for what? Now is the time for salvation. If you've been coming to church, if you've been thinking about it, if you've been pondering and looking at the Christian life, and the Christian faith. Now is the time for salvation. 
The Bible says in John 5, 25, it says, and I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice. If you don't know Jesus, the scripture says that you are dead in trespasses and sins. The scripture teaches in Ephesians 2, 1, that you have to quicken who were dead. So you that were dead, people that are dead, people without Christ are walking zombies. They're walking zombies. Their eyes are blank. Their life is void. There's nothingness. It's death. The scripture says that without Christ, we're dead. But, 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 but then it says, but the voice of the Son of God is coming to you, and those who will listen will live. Will live. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for God says at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time, what are we talking about, salvation? The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to be saved. Now is the time to be a true worshiper of God. Now is the time for God to be first in your life with God first living. John 4, 23 says, the time is coming, indeed is here now. You hear it again. The time's coming, it's here now. When the worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him with everything. God first living. The problem with our culture and the problem with people's homes and people's lives is God is not first in homes, in lives, in marriages, in business, and it's a confusion and a mess up. God is calling true worshipers. Are you a true worshiper? True worshipers have no other idols before him. Well, we don't idol worship. A lot of people's idol worshiping. There's a lot of idol worship. An idol is when you put something before God. God is jealous in that way. God isn't happy with being second, third, fourth, or fifth. God is to be first and foremost in everything. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. It's past time. Now's the time to be true worshipers of God. Now's the time to take the next step. Now's the time to take the next step. If you've been saved, now's the time to take the next step to water baptism. If you gave your heart to Jesus, now is the time to take the next step for water baptism. We're having a water baptism like soon, like in the next soon. I think it's in the next month. Pull one of those cards in your seat. If you're sitting here and you say, I have not been water baptized, pull one of those cards. Fill it out. Now's the time to make your confession before men. It's good that you've made your confession to people individually. It's good that you made your confession before men, but now's the time for water baptism to where you make your confession before the body of Christ and to the world and you be baptized as Jesus asked us to. Now is the time for baptism. Now is the time for that prayer life that you've been avoiding. Now is the time for the giving of the time. We're talking about taking the next step. Now's the time for serving in a ministry. Now's the time to be in a men's group. 
or a women's group. Now's the time. It's time to be in a life group. Now's the time to become a member of the church. Membership's very biblical. Now's the time to be a member of a church. Now's the time of giving a part of your earnings. It's next steps to discipleship. I feel the Lord saying today, now's the time. Now's the time to forgive. Now is the time to rebuild. Do you know I, I, I saw in the spirit uh, uh, unforgiveness to where uh, almost like Nehemiah's wall where Nehemiah wept because the walls were tore down and the people were in bondage and he wept and stuff and he wept and he cried over that. Brothers and sisters, we have wept for sin and over sin. We have wept about the condition of our marriages. We have wept about the conditions of our lives. But I'm hearing the Lord say, I've heard your weeping, and I've been there. But now, as Nehemiah said, let us, let us stand up and begin to rebuild what the devil has stolen and taken away. I'm feeling the Lord say it. I'm telling you, I'm feeling the Lord say it now is the time to do some forgiveness and to get rid of some things. It's time to rebuild. I'm feeling that. Now is the time to let your light shine. Arise, Jerusalem. That's the church. Isaiah 60 says, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Do you know when you stand up and you arise and you say, now's the time, that that the glory and the the glory, the, the, the radiance of God comes on you. Somebody says it comes on me. When I witness, something comes on me. Darkness is black as the night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears where? Over you. Somebody say it rises and appears over me. Over me. All nations will come to the light. I want you to, that is something prophetic. All nations, and I'm going to touch on this a little later. All nations will come to the light. When we were praying over Chicago today, I felt the Lord say, that's a nation, and that nation is going to come to the light. And we can pray according to 2 Corinthians. I don't remember exactly where it is, but in Corinthians it says that the church must pray because the devil has the, the world in a bondage under the darkness of his, of his control. And the church has to pray and arise and shine and let the light shine, we have to say with our mouth and we have to pray with our lips, I command that darkness to fall off my neighbor's heart. I command that veil over the hearts of my city to come down and that the light of the glory of God would rise up. I claim that the darkness over my children, I claim that the darkness over my business, I claim that the darkness over my neighborhood, that is first steps. Those are first steps. Sometimes we're out there witnessing and we ain't made the prayer yet. The first step is to bind that strong man and to declare the glory of the Lord in the region, in the home, in the business, in your personal life. I'm telling you, in God's light, all nations and kings will come. Look and see for everyone's coming home. Did you hear that? Look and see everybody's coming home. There's an invitation to a party 
and we're getting some RSVPs. Everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone's coming home. It says your sons are coming home. Do you have a son that isn't home? Somebody say my son is coming home. My son is coming home. It says your little daughters are coming home. Do you have a little daughter? Do you have a little neighbor that's a little daughter? Do you, are there little daughters and little sons? I want the church to begin to arise and shine and say with their mouth and declare the glory of the Lord is risen and my sons and my daughters are coming forth. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. That's talking to you, church. Your eyes are going to percolate and shine. Your heart will thrill with joy. And I was going to stop there, but the Lord said, you keep reading that thing. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you wealth from many lands. There's an anointing on Church on the Rock to raise up an entrepreneur businesses. There's an anointing. There's a small group that meets. There's going to be merchants begin to come to Church on the Rock. I saw a vision of this. There's going to be merchants that are going to rise up and they're going to come and they are going to help facilitate and move the plan of God to all four corners of the earth through the wealth that God's going to give them. There's a parallel with businesses and churches that God's bringing them together. But you are church. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I'm trying to calm down today. Because if, if you're new, you're like, man, all this guy does is yell. I, I'm trying hard to calm down. I'm trying hard to stay calm. I, I, uh, I, I feel that I believe this is from God. I believe this message is from God. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation. Just like Israel was a chosen people, you, through Christ and through faith, are a chosen generation. You're God's priesthood. Somebody says, I'm not called the minister. I beg your pardon? I'm going to give you the look. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. (laughs) Carmen, remember we used to say to the kids, how do you say that? O-S-A-R. <laughs> O-S-U-R. We are ministers. Don't get up, don't, don't point up there and say Brian's the minister. No, we're all called to be his priests. We're anointed with a priesthood. Amen. I believe that. Uh, to proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. John chapter 4 says, Don't say there's four months till the harvest. Do not say there's four months till the harvest. Behold, I say now is the time of harvest. Now is the time of harvest. The scripture says that others have planted, others have sown. But I have called you to enter into another man's field and to reap. Hit your neighbor and say, I'm a reaper. And to reap where reap means gather the harvest. Reap. Where you've bestowed no labor. Don't, don't say it's not time for an outpouring of the Spirit. Don't say, is that my problem? 
Don't say, don't, don't say that stuff. Now is the time. Now is the time. The treasure is in the clay pots. If you go on and read, I read that story once. We don't read, read them again. But if you notice, after Jesus said he respected his mother, and, she, and he honored her request, and she had already told the servants, you do what he tells you to do. She knew it was going to get done. Then Jesus pointed at some jars that are up against the wall. And brothers and sisters, I want you to see yourself as a clay jar today. And as Lisa very nicely pointed out with the popping of my button, that uh, I'm probably a big jar. I'm a jumbo jar. I'm a jumbo jar. You, you, you may be a little jar. You may be a jumbo jar. You may be a jar that you're very artistic and you're in tune with your creativeness. Maybe your jar's painted a certain way. Maybe your jar, jar has some beautiful coverings on it. Maybe your jar, Rick and Scott, I see your jars would probably be like my jar, probably chipped a little bit, probably had a lot of wear and tear on it because you, you, you work hard. You work hard. And Rick, you don't just work hard. The Lord's telling me this. You just don't work hard in the physical job. You work hard for God's kingdom too. If, if I saw your jar, I think it would be chipped a little and worn quite a lot, worn a lot. Some of your jars, no offense, but some of your jars never been used. Never been used of God. But you're idle on the side. But I hear Jesus calling. Oh, lamashata lamakai. Thank you, Lord. I hear Jesus calling today. I hear Jesus calling you. If you'll just hear, if you can, do you know a discipline? Here's a discipline that I believe in. I believe in, a, in this discipline. We've heard of the, the discipline of prayer. We've heard of the discipline of, of fasting. We've heard of the discipline of Bible reading. We've heard of the discipline of going to church. Here's a new discipline that I believe is critical in the end times, time management. We have to be disciplined with our time management because some of us have never done anything for the Lord because we're too busy. So you might be a jar against a wall. No, 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 no criticalness or judgmental that uh, never did anything. Sis, can I say something about you? Yeah, stop me if you want to. You used to be a good what? Can you say that louder? You used to be a good what? Pew sitter. Can you turn this on? <laughs> this is God that the microphone hadn't worked. And yes, no. thank you. Uh, you used to be a good what? Pew sitter. A good what? Pew sitter, chair sitter, in the back. Oh, you would just sit? Yeah, I did it well. You did. You was a good pew sitter. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> 
there, there ain't nothing wrong with sis. I love sis. She, she jokes around and says, when you come into Church on the Rock up Manning Road, what's the sign say? No one. Huh? And I read it, my God. <laughs> she says, everybody that comes to Church on the Rock, if you look at the sign, it says, no outlet. <laughs> oh, I love Anybody that knows sis, is she idle anymore? Over, oh, oh, over 50, 60, 70, I don't know how many. Was it uh, SOS, Singles on Sunday, last week? Uh, helping, help, she's busy all the time. She's busy driving me crazy half the... No, I mean... <laughs> you know what? How many remember that song? Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Come on, Jeff. Today. <laughs> Put me in, coach. You know, when I used to play football, no freshman got to play varsity ball. But, but I, I wanted to play football. I didn't want to watch people play football. I wanted to play football, and I practiced hard, and I worked hard at practice. But boy, when Friday night game was setting, when all my buddies were grabbing each other and drinking water and giggling and being cheerleaders, I was standing by coach. And I didn't care if the nose guard came out or the, or the, or the alignment came out or the running back came out. I was right beside the coach where when he's looking around, I'm saying, where's this and so? And, and time's running out. I'm sitting there saying, hey, coach, put me in. Put me in, coach. I can do it. I'll go. You, I started getting put in as a freshman. The next thing I knew, I was starting on the varsity football team as a freshman because I was like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I believe that the church needs to have that attitude. I don't want to stand idle. I don't want to be a pew setter. I don't want to be a setter. I don't want to say that's not my problem. It's not my time. Well, am I supposed to be concerned about this? I think it's time that the church says, put me in, coach. I'm ready. I'm ready. Jesus is more concerned with our availability than our capability because he knows our possibilities. Jesus is more concerned with our availability than our capability because he knows our possibilities. But Jesus looked at them and said in Mark 10, 27, with man, it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Jesus said unto them in Mark 9, 23, if you can believe All things are possible to him who believes. Jesus saw those clay pots and he said, bring those jars to me. I believe Jesus is tenderly calling you to him today. That he's calling you to next steps and he's calling you forward. And he said, fill the jars. The filling of the jars with water is a symbolism of Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in all the parts of the earth. So, so the, the filling the jars with the water is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you need to read Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 8 
Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 39. And also you could find it in Acts 10. But in all those instances, you're going to see there's more than just being saved. There's more to it. There's more than just asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Find that yourself. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that'll just ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting that God uses the infilling of the Holy Spirit that, that, that the, the uh, accuracy and the, and, the, and the inspiration from God in Scripture, because we know that all Scripture is inspired by God, that God wrote it like this. Isn't it kind of funny that he wrote the filling of the Spirit and paralleled it with drinking? Don't, drink, drink. Drink, drink, drink till you get a buzz. Drink another one. No, I'm not talking about alcohol. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Better clarify that. (laughs) I'll take another drink. I'll take another prayer meeting. I'll take another infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'll take another laying on hands. I'll take another song where the Spirit fills me. I'll drink, I'll drink, I'll drink. I'll take another drink. I want a drink of the Holy Spirit till I'm slap sloppy drunk. I want a drink of the Spirit till I'm slap sloppy drunk and filled. Filled all the way up and overflowing with the Spirit of God because that's what the world needs. When you read it in some of these versions, it says, fill it to the brim. Jesus said, fill it to the brim. And then some translation says it was overflowing. It was some to where it was on the brim. They were trying to move these things and it was spilling over. Brothers and sisters, what you witness from is an overflow of what you're receiving of the Spirit through the week. Like this sermon, I put this sermon together in about seven minutes on Monday. And I didn't look at it again until last night a little bit in this morning. Because my philosophy is get filled with the word of God every day for hours. And get filled with prayer daily for hours and hours. And that I minister out of the overflow of my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So if you get engaged in things, the first thing you got to do is be filled yourself to where you're strong and you're powerful and you're overcoming, and you're full of joy, and you're full of strength by the Spirit. And then that overflows to everyone else, okay? Precious treasure. So he said, fill the jars, and then I want to talk about the precious treasure in the vessel. The precious treasure in the vessel. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, we are like fragile clay part, clay jars containing this great treasure. That the excellence of the power, look at this, may be of God and not of us. I've tried to be excellent in the ministry world 
in myself. I've tried it. You can, you can do it. But there are professional ministers. They're out there. There are hirelings out there. They're professional ministers. Um, I, I've been down that road to some extent at times. Um, that, that the excellence of ministry is in the sermon prep and having the right words. and the thing, I, I say things born in the head reaches the head. Things born in the spirit reaches the spirit. And we're spirit beings. I believe that. You can be excellent. You can have excellent musicians and excellent singers, but it can be dead, dry, dead. And you can have people that couldn't carry a tune in the bucket when they stick their head in the bucket and sing. But yet you're like, man, I feel that. That moves me. That moves my spirit. It's because the excellency is in God and not in man. If there is ever a good sermon, give God praise for it. I'm I'm excited when people encourage me, and I accept encouragement. I I accept encouragement. But I'm careful who I let speak in my life. I I just don't listen to just anybody. I don't just because somebody says something or texts me something or email me something, I just don't receive it and I don't just accept it. I'll only accept messages that God's saying to me. And you can discern the difference in them easily, very easy to discern. Okay? But the excellency must be of God and not of man. You, you can do things excellent. In, in, in man, and it does nothing in the spirit. But there's a treasure inside of us, and, and which makes it very clear that it's God doing it, not us. It's very clear that there's a treasure in us. And guys, listen, prayer and you declaring with your mouth in the earth is a releasing of the power that's in you. So when you're a pot against a wall, and God says, bring me that pot, and you're saying, hey, I'm available, the next thing that's going to happen is God's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit to where you're filled to the brim and overflowing. And then the next thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a miracle where that water is turned into wine. And the wine is the love of Jesus, and it's the power of Jesus and it's the name of Jesus. And we are merely vessels that we pour Jesus out to the world. And that's what the world needs. It's very simple. This is very simple. But the power is in you. You've got to get this in your head. You have to get this principle in your head. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto him who is able... Who's able? Him. To him who is able. Say that with me. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly. Let's say that again. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think. Time out. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, 
nor has even entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them through his spirit. Now we are are, our spirit and God reveals them. And it says, for what man knows the things of man save the spirit of man. In other words, who knows man better than the spirit of man himself? Who knows Brian better than Brian himself? And then it says, who knows God better than the Holy Spirit? Would anybody think that anybody knows God better than the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ on the earth said, when you've seen me, you've seen who? People were, hey, people are always saying, I want to see what? I want to see God. Do you ever hear people say it? I want to see God. Jesus was God in the flesh. And when you see Jesus, the word, you can read the red and look at Jesus and say, that's what God's like. Jesus knew God. He was God. There's somebody else that knows him, the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And it says, who knows man better than the spirit, man? Who knows God better than the spirit of God? Then it says, we've not received the spirit of this world, but we've received the spirit of God. Whereby we might know those things that are freely given to us. I'm telling you. Your eyes exceedingly. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all we ask or think. According to the power. Which what? Which works where? Prayer and declaration and witness with your mouth. Is a releasing of the power of God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 30 says this. Jesus realized at once. That healing power had gone out of him. That's Mark 5.30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Guys, it was more crowded than the taste of Chicago. It was more crowded than that. You think of the most crowded place. Right now, think of the most crowded place you've ever been. Where Jesus was, it was that crowded and more. One time I was in India and people wanted to be touched by God so bad, there were tens of thousands. You're exaggerating. No, I'm not. There were tens of thousands pressing on me and on two other guys where we retreated to the stage and they started climbing on the stage and the stage broke down. It was pre- that's one of the tightest times I ever remember. Okay? How could you know somebody touched you? How did Jesus know somebody touched him? He felt a release of power. The same power that was in Jesus is the same power that lives in you. Do you all believe that? It's the same power. The Bible even says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. See, we, we don't believe this. I, I, can, I, I see right now that many do not believe this. I can see it. I can see it in your faces. The same power, but I'm going to keep saying it. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. 
That power is stronger than drug addiction. That power is stronger than sexual desires. That power is stronger than the lust of your flesh and the pride of your life. That power is stronger than the evil that attacks you where you wake up at night. When I got out of bed today, I felt a strong attack. Strong attack. Strong attack. And the first thing I did is I discerned, is this flesh or is it demonic? You got to be able to discern that because sometimes we're rebuking devils and it's your flesh. But I discerned it wasn't renewing of the mind and it wasn't prayer covering and it wasn't that. It was a demonic attack. And so I stopped and I looked at what I was feeling. I, I, I pinpointed what I was feeling and then I pinpointed what I was thinking about. And then I looked at the behavior and the reaction it was causing. But I was feeling certain things, and I discerned that it was spirit. I'm teaching you guys how to overcome. And then I discerned it was spirits, and then I did this. Spirits, how did you know which ones to say? It's easy. What are you thinking about? What are you feeling? Spirits of this, go. I'm telling you, church, don't bind them and put them in jail. Tell them to pass through. You're sheriff. You're sheriff. You're sheriff. Don't bind him and stick him in jail and feed him and take care of him. Cast that spirit away. Tell it to move on in Jesus' name. Ten minutes, I felt like a bird flying around. <laughs> this is a day. That, man, it's going to be a great day. Church is going to be awesome. I love the people. I can't wait to preach. I'm anointed. I've got a word from the Lord. It changed. I'm telling you, there's a treasure. There's a power in you that you need to start releasing. You need to start releasing it over your family as the musicians come. God is saving the best for last. I don't want to get us all whipped up in a frenzy here at the end. Because I like us to be sober when we're making decisions. I don't like to whip people up in a frenzy at giving time and so they give a lot. If something's of God, you don't have to hype it up and frenzy it up. I believe this. God is saving the best for last. The greatest outpouring ever seen or heard of by mankind. Listen, this is a prophetic word. Woodrella, this is a prophetic word, and I want you to agree with me. This is a prophetic word. I used to pray and say that the Lord is sending, is raising up ministers and we're sending them to the nations. We, sti- we are, that is still a vision statement. In fact, the Lord's been telling me in the last two or three weeks by the voice of his voice and through confirmation of pro- prophets that I have in my life 
that we are starting again something that laid a little dormant for a while. Because now is the time. Now is the time. It's not, it's not a wonder to me, Dave, why two men wanted to go towards their credentialing last week. There's going to be more today. Because now is the time. We're going to raise up ministers. Here's the prophetic word. Here's the prophetic word. The Lord told me, and he told me it strong again last week, that he is bringing the nations here. Right here. He is bringing, right now, they're not here today because it's blowing my mind how many people we're having through the summer. Seriously. The commitment of you guys through the summer has been pretty amazing. There are so many people on vacation. If everybody was here today with what we have, we would be really full today because people are on vacation. There are Pakistanians in our church. There are all kinds, all different parts of people from India and Pakistan and different places in Central America and South America. The Lord told me, and I speak this as a prophecy, that they are going to continue to come. You are going to see people continue to come. You're going to see nations come. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to see so many different people groups come to Church on the Rock, and they're going to be raised up, and they're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and be sent to the nations. Here's what he told me. He said, at the Tower of Babel, Man could do anything because they were all together with one language. That God separated that and put different languages. He confused the language at Babel. And they went out and formed nations everywhere. All these different nations we have. They were sent out at Babel. But Pentecost, listen, but Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 But Pentecost is the gathering together of the nations, and all the nations, it names 10 to 20, I I haven't ever sat and counted them, but it names all these different nations in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says this nation, and 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 this nation, it names them, it says, they all heard them Glorify and praise the Lord in their language. There was a gathering of the nations. Because it's the gathering of the nations. And it's the cohesiveness of the nations. That's coming to church on the rock. And other churches that are part of his end time plan. There's going to be a gathering of the nations. And we're going to usher in the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit ever known to mankind. I believe that. And you know what? I, I, I believe in being bold. If you don't believe that, I don't care. If you don't feel part of that, maybe there's another church that you may need to be in. But that's where this church is going. We will be a part of of that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, we will be a part. And I don't have time for wiping noses 
and, 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 and dealing with immaturity and squabblings. And Paul said, Paul said in Corinthians, are you guys a bunch of babies or what? Do I have to go back and do all this over and over again? It's time to get on. I, you know, I'm preaching on now is the time. It's time to get on to the better things of the Lord. I, 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 don't, I don't have time for, for just people that want to be dead weight. And, and that people that don't, want to, don't ever want to do anything for the Lord. I'm looking and God is looking. I, I believe God is looking for true worshipers that'll worship him in spirit and in truth with everything that I be. I believe God is looking for people that are not self-occupied and self-absorbed, that he's looking for people that are Christ-occupied and Jesus-absorbed. I believe he's looking for contributors, not consumers. I believe he's looking for people that will be more about giving than receiving. I believe he's looking for people that will, that will say, I would rather push somebody up and see them do good than to see myself do good. I believe that he's looking for people that will love people unconditionally, that will not judge people by their, by their outwardness, but they have such a heart for God that they see all people as God sees people. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.